0: Phil Mackey, Judd Zogad. I think these guys get each other going. Mackey and
2: Judd. It's a good group of guys. They're just waiting for everything to kind of click again and come back
0: together. On 1500 ESPN.
3: Oh, today's topic, the greatest NFL highlight real players. Here are Judd Zogad and Matthew Collar.
1: <laughs> Matthew Collar. All right, so I had this. This was idea. a brilliant idea. Oh, thank you. And, and this comes. This is an extension from the Saturday show that we do from ten to noon on this very station, where I think we threw around two players, and so you said let's expand
4: it. So I'll just say this guy's name because this is how I got the idea. Barry Sanders turned fifty, and the NFL put out how old am I, by the way, uh, and they put out his fifty greatest plays, which eighty percent were against the Vikings. The other 20% were against Tampa Bay. Hey, he ran it's through Hank Thomas.
1: incredible
4: Jack Del Rio. I can give you a laundry list of Vikings he I ran just, right through. I watched the whole thing, yep. and I kept seeing the Vikings pop up almost every other highlight. And so I asked you, hey, who's got the better highlight reel, Barry or Randy Moss? Yep. Which is almost impossible to decide, because they're both incredible. So for this pecking order, we decided to do the 10 best players By highlight reel, just how incredible their best plays were. So
1: not just one play though. Just to be clear, so so their their entire body of work. work. Yes, you can't have a guy who was hot for one year. So not just one big hit. This is like this is like Moss had all of these different just spectacular catches. Right, because
4: Odell Beckham is not on the list, but I mean, so far his highlights are really incredible. Maybe he will be someday. And I and we only went well. We've been watching football. Yep. So I'm not going to go back and research Gale Sayers highlights. No Jim I'm, Brown. I'm sure they're great, but I didn't see that guy play. So that's what we're going. With. Mm-hmm. Highlight you, real players.
1: Do you want to start at number ten and run through your uh, your list first?
4: I can. Okay. Number ten, Marshawn Lynch, Beast Mode. His run in Seattle against the New Orleans Saints is one of the most absurd things I have ever seen in my life watching football. I needed a thick guy. I needed somebody who ran over people. I considered Mike Allstott for this, but I decided to go Marshawn Lynch.
1: I got a couple of those.
4: Okay. All right. Number nine is Dante Hall. Punt returner, kick returner for a very long time. Scored 12 career touchdowns just on returns alone. Mm -hmm. Added a handful more on other big plays, screen passes, handoffs, things like that. No one more dynamic when they got the football on a punt return than Dante Hall. Number, where am I? 10, number eight. Nine, eight. eight. Now I'm like, did I do the right number of players? Uh, Bruce Smith. Grew up watching Bruce Smith, and he was a 3-4 defensive end, Judd, which is really hard to get a ton of sacks as a 3-4 defensive end, but he did it, and he would fly around guys. The horse collar was not illegal then. <laughs> Joey Browner was great at that. What was amazing about him is he was almost 300 pounds, and he would just jump over guys. Yep. Most athletic. Big man freak. Another pass rusher after this, Derek Thomas. Flying off the edge, all time single game sack leader. Derek Thomas. Just one of the greats. Adrian Peterson, next on the list for me, has as many fifty plus yard touchdown runs as Barry Sanders, bowling over people, but also the agility, the quickness, the explosiveness. You don't he, have him on your list? He was on my first list. He got cut. But I wow. did about
1: three different lists, and he didn't he was left on the cutting room floor. Number five is a quarterback.
4: Steve Young. Yeah? This makes sense. Early in his career, especially <laughs> You know why it makes sense? His run against the Vikings. His his running, right. That was the thing, is that earlier, I guess he didn't really have an early, early, early career, because he kind of began starting when he was like 30. Yes. For the 49ers. Yes. But When he was, before he got dinged up a bit, he could really run Mm -hmm. and he would make plays on the run. And also his precision accuracy. I think that if you're ranking all time most accurate quarterbacks ever, Steve Young is top five.
1: All right. So Steve Young's number five. He
4: just spectacular throws. Deion Sanders is next. There is not a single person that grew up in my age who did not dance into the end zone if you were playing flag football in school because you wanted to be like Neon Deion Sanders. Barry Sanders is next. I uh one of the few players that I ever made my parents buy his jersey for me as a kid growing up, Barry Sanders. So a Buffalo kid a Buffalo
1: kid yep. had his parents find a, a Lions jersey yep. from a
4: perennial losing team yes. to get you. And this was a harder than that's a real endorsement because for you Sanders. couldn't just order it online. No, this back in the
1: day that, that you had to go find a sports store that
4: actually carried that stuff. Number two is Randy Moss. Oh, wow, okay. I'm surprised by this. I think that one almost goes without explanation. Yeah. No, I'm I, I'm surprised not that he's second. I'm surprised that he's not first. Now, my number one is because this guy played two positions and not one, is Michael Vick. The most exciting highlight reel of all time is Michael Vick <sighs> okay. because not only could he run like Barry Sanders, okay. but he could throw like Brett Favre at times with his arm strength. Oh, yeah. So he could dodge anyone he was unstoppable. There were other times where he would get blitzed and somehow see it and flip out of there yep. and make cuts and dodge guys and run in traffic and then launch it 70 yards it was down the field. Absolutely crazy. Michael Vick, number one highlight reel for me. So go go through your top ten again. So I have Marshawn Lynch, Dante Hall, Bruce Smith, yep. Derek Thomas, Adrian Peterson, Steve Young, Deion Sanders, Barry Sanders, Randy Moss. And Michael Vick, my highlight reel players list. The great part about this list, boys, is players one, three, and five.
1: If if you, you were to say, okay, collar, prove your case, pull one, pull their one greatest play, I think they might be Vikings, 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 right? Because <laughs> if yeah. you pull the Vic the Vic plays gotta <laughs> the, be the run, right? where Beekert has no where yeah. poor where poor yep. Beekert's just de, de-cleated uh-huh. uh in the OT, if I'm not mistaken, at the Metrodome yep. run, right? Yep. Barry Sanders, you'd for sure pull a Vikings game. I mean, you could pull one of about yeah. eight, probably, right? And then Steve Young, it's got to be the run running candlestick where he embarrassed them and went, what, 50 yards or something like that? It was a long run. Correct me if I'm wrong, Judd. Didn't the Vikings also have games not only where
3: they got run over by Barry Sanders or run around, I guess? Didn't they hold him to just some ridiculously low numbers in games too? That always happened with him though. Well, talking it? like ten yards, they twenty prob- yards on, you know, fifteen carries or they something. They probably like did,
1: that. yeah. They probably did. But when but when he burned them, it was in such spectacular fashion. Oh yeah. Because they And he be got like... two
3: shots a year at
1: it, which is you know why you see the Vikings a lot, certainly. So yeah, you know what? I bet you're right though. I bet there were a couple games. But yeah, he, he was he was, as AP used to like to say, famine, famine feast. Mm-hmm. Because there'd be, he'd get stopped, he'd get stopped, he'd get stopped. He'd go for 80 yards, he'd get stopped, he'd go for 78 yards.
4: Against the Minnesota Vikings, Barry Sanders, in his career, had a full season's worth, ran 363 times, and ran for over 1,800 yards at 5.1 yards per carry. <laughs> Can you find a game where, where he was contained by our by our...
1: Purple clad defense. I can. There has to be. Give me a second. I bet Dave's
4: right on this. I, mean,
3: I kind of think like maybe the Dungey defense era, you know, the early mid 90s whatever are some was. Oh, it was. Good defense.
4: Oh, very good. The those a, weren't there, embarrassing defense. There was a game I was watching, Lions and Vikings from like 93, where by the third quarter he's at like minus four yards and he ends up with 150.
3: That's pretty good. That's I, just how that's that's he does it. Home. That's
4: just what he does. I remember that game actually. I'm looking up his worst games. All right. Yes. Okay. In, there you uh, go. In 1994, he uh, ran 12 times for 16 yards against the Vikings in a 10 to three loss for the Lions. Wait.
1: See, Dave, you okay. you recall a day the purple was good against him. I
3: guess that's. I mean, those honestly are those are the memories I have. I guess of drinking purple Kool Aid or something. Thinking, yeah, we contained Barry Sanders. He's nothing. Um, oh wait, just
4: ignore the big games. In 1991, <laughs> he had 220 yards and four touchdowns. <laughs>
1: Wait, go back and say that again.
4: <laughs> he had 220 yards and four touchdowns, and averaged 9.6 yards per carry what? in a win over the Vikings. Well, that's
3: got to be in 1999. A that's got to be in both games combined. They couldn't have no, done that one no, game. No, that's one. Well, there that's, had to be some that's, holding. And, and, that's one. And game. was
1: that game in
4: uh, probably in, some holding? Detroit? Yeah. Uh, no, in it, it, or no, was it was here. here. It was here. <laughs> yep. Okay.
1: Well, See that's not not so too. much with that game. Yeah. <laughs> the picture I or the highlight and or picture that I seem to recall is one where he had just gotten past Henry Thomas, and Henry Thomas is looking back towards the where, where the camera is, and it was sort of this, what the bleep just happened? <laughs> like how did that? How did he get by me? Well, but he did a, that all the
4: time. There was a it was a forty four thirty eight win for Detroit. That I was watching where he had 138 yards, but into the second quarter, he was at like minus 10. And then just had. Absolutely goes nuts. Just goes crazy. Yep. All right. As
1: I said, putting together this list is the toughest list that I have ever formulated for this show. We'll get to mine next as we go through the highlight reel players who belong in a top 10 all time.
0: Mackie and Judd will return shortly. Just a reminder, this station does not endorse this. On 1500 ESPN. Now, back to Mackie and Judd. If anyone wants to clap, now is the time to do it. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios on 1500 ESPN. Today's topic, the greatest NFL highlight real players. Here are
1: Judd Zogad. And Matthew Collar. I think we need a Patrick Roycey
4: list for this
0: so.
1: for Roy, Yeah, well, that, that would be really good, because then he, he could go back to Sayers and Jim Brown and guys like that. Alright, Intern Max, tell everyone what you told Dave off the air about one of the saddest days in your uh, 21 years on this planet.
2: Yeah, I mean, it was back in the day when, you know, ESPN actually had SportsCenter, and you could just watch highlights all the time, well, all of a sudden, there's a breaking news, and or well, Mike Vick's going to jail because he had a dog fighting. I think I cried for probably 20 minutes when I found that out. It was. Must uh, be a dog lover then. Well, I, whether it's a dog lover or whether it's just me loving Michael Vick. <laughs> yeah, was, I think uh, it's
1: it the latter way more than the former.
2: I owned like three Michael Vick jerseys. Actually, after that run against the Vikings, I actually stopped being a Vikings fan for like five years. I just up and left and was a Falcon fan. I was like that uh, NFC Championship game, McNabb versus Vic, uh, 05, uh, the fourth and 26, I believe it was. Yeah. yeah that, uh, that one crushed
1: me a little bit, for sure. That's remarkable that you quit, that someone would quit being a Viking fan based on that.
4: Michael Vick had the same effect for the Falcons, I think, as Randy Moss had for the Vikings, in terms of the popularity of the franchise. The the Falcons had been good, and they went to the the one Super Bowl and got killed by Elway. I
3: remember that one. But but as far
4: as as the players (laughs) who took this league from being very popular to by far and away number one, nothing else close to it as far as league popularity goes, Michael Vick's name is in that conversation.
2: Yeah. I mean, I wore number seven because of him where I played football. I mean, the guy was just a uh, big influence. So that was a very sad day for me. Very sad.
1: You cried for you cried for an extended period of time and gave up on, on the purple all in the uh, same time period. That's very, very disappointing for yeah. Me, Matthew. Yeah. Or Max. All right, I've got my top ten. Now, so once again, to be clear, these are top ten highlight reel players based on body of work, and they're players that we had to have seen. Right. So there, there are some guys that I'm going to have that you couldn't have right. because I'm old. Correct. Number 10 on my list. A guy who gave the Vikings fits as well as uh, as Barry Sanders did, but this guy did it long before Barry Sanders. Walter Payton. Sweetness. Walter Payton could run around you or through you, and he didn't really <laughs> care. And uh, had some monster games, including one in particular at Soldier Field, I think in the, uh, in the 77 season against the, the Vikings. Walter Payton is number 10 on my list. Number 9 and I've got a few defensive players on this. Number nine, the Philadelphia Eagle turned Green Bay Packer, Reggie White. Reggie White was a freak. Reggie White was, for as much as Favre helped turn things in Green Bay, I think I think the most monumental thing was when, when Reg got up there at the podium in Green Bay and said, God told me to come here. That took the Packers from being this, yeah, they're a lovable lo- losing franchise to being taken seriously. And Reggie White was a freak of a player.
4: And Reggie would make tackles who were great look ridiculous. Yes. Because he was so big and so strong that there were very few defensive ends who would push 300 pounds, who had his type of strength, but could also have that quickness. So he would just take guys on. You know, it wasn't like I had Derek Thomas on my list because Derek Thomas would just go around people because he was so fast. Yeah. And you might have Lawrence Taylor too. Same kind of thing with him, where Reggie White could just. Throw you He'd right off your, your feet, yeah. He yeah, would just he toss, toss you, toss you your right off your feet. It was incredible.
1: So Reggie White is number nine on my list. Number eight, and he's too low. But this list was incredibly difficult for me. Number eight, Deion Sanders.
4: He was way up there on my list. I he mean, was, and he deserves to, to be. Deion. this is a touchdown. This is this
1: is the first time that I put together a list where where I'm confident in my top ten, and I, I and I'm confident that if you if you wanted to, you could basically flaws with rankings, Mm -hmm. with who's on it, with who's not. This could have gone 25 deep. Number eight, though, Deion Sanders. Number seven, and this is based on some bad and a lot of good, Brett Favre. (laughs) Brett Favre was a highlight reel Mm -hmm. waiting, waiting to happen. Unfortunately, if you were a fan of the team he was playing for, you weren't quite sure if that was going to be good or bad for your team, but this guy continually made plays and you were like,
4: he just threw that ball? His ability to throw at odd angles yes, or where throws didn't appear to be there at all and he could make them. And it it was way more good than bad. That's the unfortunate thing about Favre is that in some ways he gets remembered for the bad postseason picks. But for his career, it's way, way, way more amazing throws than it is terrible throws. It's just that, you know, those kind of stand out. The one he made, my favorite throw from him is the one he made in the playoffs. I think he's 91 against the Lions. Where he's rolling to his left and just flings it, I don't know, 30, 40 yards. Perfect on the money. To Sharp, right? Yep. Yep. To Sterling Sharp. And he wins the game on that, I think.
1: And there there was the run too. I think it was a game, it was a playoff game against the Falcons at County Stadium back when they played uh, some games in Milwaukee. Or it was a late season game. And he was supposed to throw and he takes off and runs and scores. And you were like, I can't believe he did that. So Brett Favre is number seven on my list. Number six, also too low, because he, according to you at least, because he is your top pick, Michael Vick. And I will always go back to that run at the Metrodome was ridiculous. That run at the Metrodome was, it looked like a game, like a PlayStation game or something. Mm -hmm. Like you saw that run and you're like, yeah, you can't really do that to a National Football League defense. So number six is Michael Vick. Get to my top five now. Number five, and this is the first of two running backs who made you hate life if you played against him, Bo Jackson. Go back and watch during his brief time period. Go back and watch Bo Jackson's highlight reel. It is athleticism. It's punishment of opposing players. He made people look completely foolish. Bo Jackson is number five on my list.
4: The uh, 30 for 30 on him was incredible. He would have been on my list. I just wasn't quite old enough. I th- What did he read? Sort of semi-retire. Well, he, he, or had, hurt he had, had to, retire to because and, of the
1: hip problems. But he
4: kept playing baseball. What, what was yeah. that, like 93, though? Yeah, probably. That's just a little too early yeah. for me.
1: So Bo Jackson is number five on my list. If, uh, if Bo was a little bit too early for you, then this next guy at number four was definitely, but you should watch every YouTube highlight that you can that you can get your hands on to this guy. Number four on my list, a guy that I, I used to stay up to watch on Monday nights when Houston played. And if there was one player who I pretended to be on the playground, it was this guy Earl Campbell.
4: Mm-hmm. A lot of people sent me Earl Campbell when I Earl Campbell was
1: Earl Campbell was, and it's sad now because he's broken down, and it's not surprising why. But when you go back and watch the YouTube clips of this guy, it's off the charts. Mm-hmm. He kills people. He lowers his head. There, there's one against the Rams that he lowers his head, and I swear to God, he knocks the defender back five yards, <laughs> like he lifts him up with his head and knocks him back. And and the most memorable game I think it was in the 78 season Houston playing host in the Astrodome to the Dolphins and Earl Campbell just went absolutely nuts. Earl Campbell is number 4 on my list. Number 3, my last defensive player, it's got to be Lawrence Taylor. Has to be. I mean, the guy was the guy was uh, freakish and and when you consider the fact that he had all the off field issues that he did and all the stuff that was going on in his life, and still on Sundays he would show up and play like that. Lawrence Taylor's number three.
4: One of the few defensive players ever that could win a game by himself. Yeah. Lawrence Taylor. So he is, he changed
1: things for that franchise too. And then my top two are going to be obvious. In fact, for you they were uh, two and three. For me they are one and two. Number two, Barry Sanders. Barry Sanders was he escape tackles and you're like he didn't just do that and he did it all the time and number one to the guy who's going to go into the hall of fame august 4th has to be randy moss randy moss as much as anyone i believe in my lifetime for the wide receiver position changed the game Mm -hmm. he changed the game and he did it consistently and and his rookie year just going back and watching the catches he made against the, the players he did and and the comical thing is watching the approaches, Collar, that defenses took. Like, defenses would be like, we'll stop him this week because we'll do that. No, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. And we'll, just, we'll just roll a safety up over the top. And Cunningham would throw the ball up, and he would catch it. And then Johnson would start the next week or so, and you'd be like, okay, the chemistry's gone now. It's going to be different. And Brad would throw the ball up, and guess what Moss would do?
4: Just catch it. The fact that it's still called getting Mossed. yes. That tells you everything you need to know. I mean, he hasn't played since, what, 2010, 11? Yep. Like, it's still called getting Moss.
1: Yeah, so he changed things completely. So my top ten, one through 10, Moss, Sanders, Lawrence Taylor, Earl Campbell, and Bo Jackson at 5, Michael Vick at 6, Brett Favre at 7, Deion Sanders at 8, Reggie White at 9, and Walter Payton at 10. Uh, I left off Dickerson. I left off uh, Hester Cunningham.
4: Hester, Hester was a hard one to, to leave
1: off. I needed a returner. I tried hard to work him in, and I saw he he again, to speaking to guys that victimized the Vikings, he victimized them consistently, but I couldn't knock a guy from, from my top ten. I I just
4: couldn't do it. You know who else was uh, getting consideration for me was uh, Troy Polamalu for a defensive player. I saw
1: him suggested by some people on Twitter (sighs) to you. The
4: one-handed interception, the diving one, the times where he would come up to the line of scrimmage and jump over the line of scrimmage and make a play. A couple other guys that that came to mind for me. Junior Seau was up there. Yeah. Uh, Chris Johnson had a 2,000-yard season and was kind of like, That flash in the pan. Peterson would
1: have trumped Chris Johnson on my list, personally. Yep,
4: and that's why I did did include Peterson because of that. I was thinking, all right, let's see. A couple of running backs definitely belong here. And there were lots of flash-in-the-pan running backs, but to do it as long as Adrian did and as many different ways as he did where it was sometimes, like you mentioned with Earl Campbell, sometimes it's bowl people over, but other times it was a a jump cut or something like mm-hmm. that. he stiff-arm people, yeah. So, sometimes he had Barry Sanders-like runs where he went into traffic and then somehow found his way out and then took off, and no one could catch him once he took off. There's a highlight that uh, I ran across against Cleveland where he's running, and he's running away from someone and turns around to stiff-arm a guy. He doesn't even have to, but just what? like... Oh, I'm, Honestly, I'm ahead of you, and I'm gone. Yeah, the Cleveland game was nuts. I'm going to turn around and push you down anyway. The the most I've seen Peterson punish guys during the
1: time I covered him, I think they were both in 2009. It was the opener at Cleveland where he basically does exactly that. And then there was, who was it? Was it the safety from the Steelers who he stepped oh, on his yeah. head? Or he yeah. stepped on his chest. He, like, used him as a springboard. <laughs> William Gay. Okay, Yeah. yeah. Because he thought he was going to, Gay thought he, he was going to get the tackle, and Peterson sort of just pushed him down and then used him as a as a step. The damnedest thing. <laughs> it's like he didn't even need to do that, but it was really cool. <laughs> and you're watching it, and you're like, that guy's not going to get up. Even. That,
3: that was unnecessary, yeah. Adrian. I'm surprised neither of you guys had the hard-hitting safety on your list. John Lynch, Ronnie Lott. You know, your Steve Atwater, one of the guys that you'd see on the old jacked up segments of uh, ESPN. maybe
4: I felt a little bad about that. Well, like col- just Holler would be a little bit.
1: You'd be. I saw Steve Atwater. Oh, okay, because certainly say, John
3: Lynch was. Yeah, uh, I could
1: have easily had had Tatum uh, on my list. Yeah, easily, but I don't know. I mean, does it? I think you need to have a body of work that also has great plays and hard hits. Not just killing people. Not just, yeah, not just now. What what would be a fifteen yard penalty? Junior Seau
4: would also, <laughs> or at least that's I Make it. my list of linebackers. Ray Lewis, even. Like, yeah,
1: I thought about Ray Lewis. Like for he a second. got the
4: pick in the Super Bowl and then blowing up run plays and middle middle linebackers used to be a great thing.
1: Yes, because they could hit guys too, and they and they didn't care. Uh, David, what's coming up in uh, stuff that we should know about? We'll
3: learn the truth behind a nickname. Celebrate a thirty five year anniversary today. And we'll find out for one Minnesota Viking and his younger brother. Sounds like it might run in the family.
0: Don't go anywhere. Assume the position. More Mackie and Judd coming up next on 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd now continue. You gotta act excited. You've Get a gift. You gotta act
2: excited. But some of you're going. What do I, what do I? On
0: 1500. ESPN.
3: And stuff you should know about is sponsored by your locally owned Domino's. Introducing Domino's Hotspots. Get pizza delivered to outdoor locations like parks, beaches, and more. Not at home, not a problem. Visit domino's.com for details on Domino's Hotspots. No! Stop!
0: What Twin City sports fans are chanting for right now. Mackie and Judd continue with stuff you should know about. what you do like that, All
1: right, Dave Harrigan, what do you got for us today?
0: A lot of stuff, Judd. I know
3: you do. I know you do. Let's start with the worst and work our way up. Shall we? Sure. The worst comes from the introductory press conference with the Washington Wizards yesterday. Oh, boy. Of Dwight Howard. Saw... <laughs> it's painful painful. Uh, well...
2: Uh, actually, uh, I was joking with uh, my trainer uh, earlier today and I thought it'd be fitting, uh, but we were just talking about how, you know, I started with the magic, so I learned magic for eight years, uh, traveled to La La Land, uh, learned how to work with rockets, uh, and <laughs> I went to learn how to fly with some hawks, got stung by the hornets. <laughs> this is a joke
0: <laughs> but
2: <laughs> through all of that, you know it's taught me how to be a wizard, you know uh, so
1: <laughs> oh, First of all, people do not laugh at that, okay? Assembled media. I, I get sometimes you gotta laugh, Matthew, but that's one of the, that there's nothing comfortable or all that I'm using about any of that. Don't laugh at that. I don't know what you're supposed to do. I
4: mean, you can't. Just you set. can't boo him. Booing is unprofessional. Yeah, no,
1: you got to sit there. I think you. I think you, this is one of those rare uh, situations where you got to sit there, just no reaction.
4: I have definitely been in press conferences where the player thinks he's making good jokes, and you sort of like, huh, okay, yeah, all right, all right. So, uh, what I really wanted to ask <laughs> about was. Why'd you suck in your previous stop? <laughs> yeah, why have you been Let's talk about really why you bad become Dwight Howard? for a what? long time? Dwight Howard is always my favorite go-to when I want to explain how incredible NBA players are. Okay. Because Dwight Howard might have a handful of three-pointers ever in his career. I'm not even sure if he has more than one or two. Maybe he had a buzzer beater or something. I went to an Orlando Magic game when he was in his prom, and he stood out of bounds on the sideline Like right up against with his heels up against the chairs that are there, and made three or four threes in a row easily. Uh Just flick of the wrist, three, three, three from way out of bounds. This is an NBA player who would never shoot one in a game, Uh and he was easily draining them like that at seven feet tall and just freakish body. Yeah. Just. But can, him not, him can he not do good. the
1: jokes? I mean, that's so, that was so his, bad. His,
4: yeah, his free throw shooting's better than his jokes.
1: That must have been written, right? Like somebody must have thought, "Hey, you should drop this, and it's going to be funny." There's, it, I don't buy that he came up with, with that just off the top of his head. He you? didn't. I don't remember exactly what the question was.
3: Yeah. But when it was asked, you could see him think for a second, and then he kind of giggled to himself, he got okay. a little twinkle, he was like, "Oh yeah, I can drop this in right here. It's going to be perfect." Yeah, it was far from perfect. Meanwhile, Jim Harbaugh was at the podium yesterday, Big Ten Media Days in Chicago, and some people aren't exactly happy with uh, Jim's reaction to questions, maybe a new form of Jim Harbaugh that's at the podium. A very hard-hitting question came his way.
0: A little bit of a follow-up on that question. He came into Ann Arbor with perhaps the most hype of any coach in the history of the Big Ten, maybe in all of college football. A few years later, you've got a third place, third place, and fourth place finish, and you're one in five against Michigan State and Ohio State. What do you have to do this year to demonstrate to the Michigan community that you are on the path to achieving what they hired you to achieve? Pretty hard-hitting
3: question, I would think. Wouldn't you think so? Yes. Very. You imagine the answer was very
1: thought out, very thought out, very long-winded, and very fi- difficult, and sort of fiery. Probably. Like, like yeah. I would like like the Harbaugh that we know fires back a little bit. Well, the
5: improvement will lead to success. Will lead to championships.
3: That's it. What
5: happened to him?
3: He gets in trouble. He gets yelled at for being long-winded and crazy, and. Oh, fine, you want to fire back at me?
1: I'll give you three words. I don't want him to be a jerk necessarily, but come on, you can't go you can't go from point A to point Z without something in between, right? Like there's no fire, there's no passion at all there. This is the, the harbaugh that that we know if nothing else would have rambled on, like you said, with mm-hmm. some type of creative answer to that. And this guy, I mean, he let this guy go on and on w- listing off everything
4: that's gone wrong. Yeah, that was very. I think disappointing. It, it might have been a little excessive on the part of the reporter. Like, oh, I agree. With like that. the guy knows his I know, record.
1: I know. You he, haven't had success mm-hmm. against the Buckeyes; would have been fine.
4: Yeah, right. Like I you mean, don't need to what, point out the. What one you're trying to do is make yourself part of it. Like oh, I really told that Harbaugh. I mean, it would be just like asking Case Keenum after the loss, be like, "So you had bad interceptions against this team and this team and this Why team? Why didn't you do that? Like he knows. Collar he, would have been remembers. a man for that job. Yeah, he remembers <laughs> that he threw interceptions
3: one more press conference. This comes to us from Baltimore Ravens training camp. Brandon Williams, defensive tackle, been in the league since 2013. He's a big boy. 6'1", 335 is what I see him listed here, and he goes by the nickname of Big Baby. A lot of people go by that nickname. Well, Brandon's one of them, and he was asked, so how did how did you get the nickname that everybody else has that's your size?
5: Uh, I've been going by nickname, nickname Big Baby since uh, third grade. Uh, so ever since uh AAU uh pal pal baseball, uh, basketball. Um I was just a big kid, baby face obviously, that's why I keep the beard. Um but yeah, I was always a big baby. My mom used to have to carry my uh birth certificate to the games. So every time the coach timeout, hey no, he's too dang big to play. My mom used to run from the stands.
0: Nah, nah <laughs> My baby can play. He's only
5: twelve years old and So I mean it's it's it was crazy. Um I used to
1: Oh, I bet mom called him last night. That's outstanding. That's what you heard? Nah, no, my baby can play. <laughs> that n- nickname, by the way, I think should be done. It's been used on too many people, now. Big Baby? Yeah, I, I thought Big Baby Davis was the guy that was... Big That's baby. what I thought, too. That
4: was always mine.
1: But like, I feel, I feel like it's been used to a point now where if you look young, that they should come up with something, something different than that.
4: Do you have a favorite nickname ever in sports? Oh, I need to think about that. I'm sure I do. I I do. Have, the old school baseball ones are great. I have an, really a, a recent one that was my favorite, but it's, it just hasn't really gotten used a whole lot. Which was Durantula for Kevin Durant. It's just so descriptive of those yeah. crazy long arms. He kind of looks like a spider.
1: Yeah, that's not bad. I'll, I'll think about that because I'm sure I have one, but it's going to be. It might be an old school baseball or hockey one, and and that's in an era too where they didn't take your name and changed it. They actually gave you a nickname, yeah, which yeah. I think is a must. Mm-hmm. Like you're not, its not a nickname to to be called um, uh, Suits or something like that. Yeah, that's not a nickname.
3: It's when you become Tiger Woods instead of Eldrick. You mean exactly? Yeah, it's something completely different. Ten years ago, July 2008, Riley Reef was an incoming freshman from uh, South Dakota with the Iowa Hawkeyes football team. He got himself in a little trouble. Leading police police officers on a 20-minute foot chase in which he was at least partly clothed, clothed, maybe not a whole lot of clothed. He thought he was in... I don't remember. I didn't know that. Yeah, I had to look it up here. About uh, July 2008, the story was written by Adam Rittenberg, ESPN. Yeah. And uh, he led police on a foot chase, eventually was arrested, pleaded guilty to uh, misdemeanor counts, public intoxication, interference with official acts. Riley's younger brother is Brady Reef. That was him. Okay, I saw this. He is an Iowa uh, Iowa football player as well. Yep, got himself in a little trouble over the weekend. Saturday morning, early Saturday morning, a little after two a.m. when he showed up outside a cruiser. In fact, I'll read from the story here: accused of public intoxication. Inco- intoxication, Brady Reef, 22, so off legal drinking age. Starting defensive tackle for the football team approached a parked University of Iowa police cruiser on Iowa Avenue around 2 a.m. Attempted to open the vehicle's passenger's door when Reef noticed there was a rider sitting in the passenger seat. Police said he moved to the back door and attempted to open it. When asked what he was doing, said, "Quote: He thought that was our job for a ride home, an Uber. Perhaps thought it was a cab or an Uber." Yep. I'm ask you this question. Best guess. What was the blood alcohol level that he blew into the breathalyzer? Brady Reef, 22 years old,
1: Iowa State football. I Actually, read, Iowa University I, football. I read this, so I'll defer to Collar to take the best guess.
4: I will say .21.
3: .21. You know what? It's not exact, but that's a darn good guess. Yeah, so I'll give you a big
1: balance. Point two zero four. That's really good. That's, that's a good heck guess of an so here, right For a guy who doesn't drink, that's a really good guess. No, yeah. but I
4: but I've covered a lot of people getting arrested and stuff. So like football players, right? So you no. figure that there's a on the BAC, okay, if you're like at point one three, you're probably not making that mistake. And if you're anywhere past that point two, like 0.25 or something, then you're probably passed out. Yeah. So uh, that hot zone of doing the worst, stupidest thing that you could do, right in there. Point two.
1: So to backtrack on the story, though, this sounds like a good faith. I'm really drunk. Mistake. The cops just laugh and drive him home. Yeah, I don't know why they like. Wouldn't. He didn't do any. It, it, the story reads like he's really drunk. Okay, that's public intoxication. I get that. But he's a college kid too. And so if this is if this is a college kid who is not playing sports. If you're a cop, wouldn't you just be like, okay, kid, you are really drunk and this is a bad idea, and next time you might get in trouble, but you're not being obnoxious. You just think you're you're mistaken in the fact that we're not an Uber. I, I don't know the cops need to arrest you on yeah, this and one. It didn't hurt anybody.
3: My only no, question he didn't get a fight, is, no. if you're at point .204, you're, at that point you're getting close to unsafe drunk, like, you know you could be hurting yourself drunk so maybe then they got to take you to detox or something and then do they have to you know are you obligated to say well public intox because we had to take you here we couldn't just in
1: good faith no, leave you no it seems like a situation you know, it's you, a, throw you in bed it seems like a classic situation where you might be in a position to help a person and you don't need to necessarily run them through the system that night it just struck me as I at first when when I saw the story, I thought, Oh, he must have gotten a fight with, with somebody or lipped off to the cops and started, you know, doing something there. But it sounds like he just tried to get in both doors and they're like, We're cops. Take this breathalyzer, you're arrested. I don't know.
3: I don't know the rules, but uh, it seems like maybe you're trying to help the guy too. I'm okay with it. All right. I'm not <gasps> just going will be fine. I'm but let's talk about the thirty-five year anniversary we are celebrating today you guys have any idea what happened july 24th 35 years ago today would that be 1983.
1: i remember watching this on uh, sports center on espn colin do you have any idea what we're talking about
4: i honestly don't
5: they
0: might be going to call george brett out well he's out look at look at this
5: brett
4: is out and He's man. he is out He's steaming man. and having to be bring that back.
5: forcibly restrained from hitting well, plate umpire Tim right. McClellan. And the Yankees have won the ball game four to three. That is called out for using an illegal bat or with the illegal substance on the bat.
1: Tim McClellan was your home plate umpire. I think he just retired in the last couple of years. And leave it to Billy Martin to know some obscure rule about uh, mm-hmm. how much pine tar a person could have on their bat. He's steaming mad. He went. He went nuts. Like it's a great. It's fun to watch. It's
3: incredible. I just watched it this morning. Yes,
1: him, him jumping out of that. Because you can see him at the top step as they're doing it, and I think he's he's mad about it. But I think he's thinking there's no way that they're going to call me out. And then he gets called out, and it's almost, as I recall, like he hops. I mean, he doesn't even take a step. He, like, vaults off the uh, dugout step. And and if they hadn't restrained him,
4: I think he would have hit Tim McClellan. And the arms and legs are just flying everywhere (laughs) when he's running out there. Imagine having a meltdown, being so mad that 35 years later, radio stations in not even the place where you did it are still talking about it. And, that's, that's an all-timer. And the subsequent story to that entire thing was the Royals appealed to the American League office. The
1: American League president overturned the decision of the umpires, and they had to go back and play out the the rest of that game, which Casey won. So he went ballistic about a play that they, that they didn't count against him. Right.
3: And that's only one of two George Brett all-timers, the other being the story of his uh, issues in Las Vegas. Oh, and he had the yeah. accident in his pants. Have you heard that one, Collar?
4: I have. Yeah. yeah. Are we going to we're not going to relive it, are we? No, well, we could
1: maybe at some point. There's that. Later. Okay, and then there's a third one though. 1980 World Series. Brett sidelined and or severely hampered with hemorrhoids. That's right. 1980 That's Philadelphia right. KC, which the Phillies won, but Brett was was at least affected very adversely
4: by a bad case of the hemorrhoids. That sounds terrible. I would imagine it was. Would you rather have yeah. hand, foot, and mouth disease? That's what we talked about yesterday. Did you see that, Judd? That yeah, which is not hand, foot, unusual
1: if you're five years old.
4: Like, how does an adult get that? <laughs> if you're five years old. How,
1: how does an adult, because he went to, supposedly, they, they were fearful that he got during the All-Star break at a youth camp he went mm-hmm. to. But then he pitched on Friday. But he
3: didn't pitch well, and he was right. weak. And...
1: But wouldn't your hand on the ball, and then the catcher throws you the ball back, mean the catcher could easily get, because it's highly contagious.
4: But only for children? No, no. It's contagious
1: for adults. Adults ordinarily just don't get it. But my point is, if you pitched in a game and you then dealt with the baseball, your, your hands on the baseball constantly, obviously, and then the catcher's throwing it back to you, and then teammates are throwing the ball around, I would imagine that the Mets could be susceptible as a whole to
4: the disease. That would be the most Mets thing that ever happened. And now
1: Tebow's hurt. Hammett bone, he's done for the season. Do we have to bring that up? He was he that was hurts. playing well, and he was gonna he was gonna get called up too. You think so? They're, oh,
4: heck yeah! I mean, he wasn't. He was Can you imagine okay. the Tebow jerseys that I they that know. they could have sold? I don't know if they would have done that.
1: I think so. You, Dave? Oh gosh, yes. They're have the, to. Have the, to. They're the
4: Mets. They're a complete
1: train wreck from Double A though. Let's take a break. More after this. Mackie and Judd is all getting Colorado
0: Sit tight. The Mackie and Judd show will continue in a moment. Do I have your word on that, sir? Mackie and Judd. Absolutely. On 1500 ESPN. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. They, they live in the sewer.
2: Yes, yeah. they do, yes. and enjoy it. Yes. <laughs> they relish in yeah. it. Mackey and Judd,
0: and the way they walk with their back end up in the air—that's yeah. just plain evil. <laughs> yeah. It's just gross. On fifteen hundred ESPN. Do you have hot sports takes? Not afraid
3: to share your opinions on the local teams? Do you have, want to have your own show right here on fifteen hundred ESPN? If you answered yes. And 1500 ESPN's Sportscaster uh, Sportscaster Idol is for you. Easier for me to say. We're holding a competition to find our next host, possibly my replacement, with the winner receiving their very own show for a full year. Time is running out to enter. You've got until this Sunday, July 29th, to get that entry in. More details, 1500ASPN.com. The hottest of sports takes, David. The oh, hottest we don't, of sports takes. Yes. We don't take lukewarm. anything less. We're not, Not no, I'm not even giving you a second look.
1: Jason Stark uh, around the corner at 1130. I uh, also have some Kevin Love news that we are going to get to at the top of the hour. But uh, since you brought this up, David Harrigan. Do we have to? Oh, yeah, we do. Oh. This so is George, the worst. George Brett,
3: oh, the best.
1: 35 oh. years ago today, the Pine Tar game, yes. correct? Yes. And i I brought up the fact that in, in 1980, during the World Series against the Phillies, he had the hemorrhoid problem. <laughs> That's not the only back-end issue that Mr. Brett has had. Let's take a listen to George. Went out and had a great
5: meal, just a great <laughs> meal. I had to go to the bathroom so bad in the <laughs> <and he laughs> in my pants. I'm good uh, twice a year for that. When was the last time you <laughs> your pants? Me? Yeah. Been a while? It's been a long time. <laughs> I was in Vegas a couple years ago. Just an honest to God, true story. Staying at the Bellagio, I went over to the Mirage for dinner, met some friends of mine over there. Went to it's a great little steakhouse. The guy brings out some fresh crab legs. He just came in, I gotta give them to you guys. Brings I'm eating them, then we go play gamble a little bit. I had a tea time early in the morning. So I said, look, I gotta get going. I'm walking back to the hotel, I get three-quarters of the way out of the lobby, and all of a sudden I go, oh f- and I'm standing here like this, I got my butt pinched so f- I'm, I'm f- I can't move. Felt all right, I went just like this water take off my leather jacket tied it around my waist and I'm just standing there and it's just running down my leg I got jeans on black buttocks, no socks and uh, I just start walking. Every time I'm walking, something's coming out. It's water. Straight water. I said, Larry, you won't believe this. I'm standing outside the collage. I can't move. I got everywhere. I all over myself. And Larry's about a 48 waist. So he brings me over a pair of pants and uh, some towels. So he goes in, he finds the closest bathroom in the lobby of the hotel. And then I get in the escalator and he kind of pretends like he dropped something so no one gets behind me. Tells me where it is. I go in there. He goes and gets the towel all wet for me, throws it over the stall, I take off all my clothes, just wipe off, leave my shoes, left my shoes, my pants, everything right there, the towels right there in the stall, and I'm walking barefoot with my shirt and his pants that are 48 waist through the lobby like this it's midnight. Got up in the morning, took the most perfect double tapered I've ever had in my life. True story. Who's the pitchers in this game? <laughs>
4: What is that from? Dave knows
1: more than I.
3: I don't know what um, year it is. Everything I've looked up, nobody really seems to know what year, but he's just, it's in spring training and oh, he just walks up to some random ball player and, hey, I, I got a story for you. And this is what he unloaded on him.
1: No pun intended. Unloaded I guess. is right. I love the, or I guess I don't love, I, I deeply respect the detail. Oh yeah! Like, he, like he, no details a, spared. No, that's a play-by-play. The, I mean, the fear nearly most of us would. Oh, that's what's admirable. The majority of us Fearless. would want to forget the incident. I think George embraced it.
4: You he think? Definitely. Yeah, no, I know, of course he embraced it. He embraced it. He he was, embraced it. Loving telling who
1: are story. the pitchers in this game. Do we believe it's 100% true? I know I don't because it, he's too proud of it. It's so
3: incredible that it almost feels like it either it is entirely made up or it couldn't be nearly as heroic of an effort as he describes.
4: I think he got to the bathroom in time and decided this isn't any fun. I, I do know from hanging around at times, some athletes who are retired, that one of their favorite things to talk about, oh, no, is, no question things that happened when they were on the road or yep. when they were partying in one way or another. Do you know who would love that story? Farf. Oh, gosh. Sure. 2009, the man's what at
1: the time? Nearing 40. And and when he did make an appearance during our access period in the uh, locker room, it would always be fart jokes. Always. Like, he would always... Because he was 12. Perpetually 12. I um, have a
3: feeling he's probably... You know, George would come up to Brett, tell him that story, and Brett's like, you think you got a story? I'll tell you what, I got a pretty good one myself and spin another yarn that puts uh, George Bretz to shame. Man, it's outstanding. Most
5: perfect
0: double Are you at a taber? loss for words, Matthew Collar?
5: You're never at a every, loss for words. Every
4: time, I've I've heard that a handful of times, and every time I hear it, I just, I don't know how I'm supposed to react. You're uncomfortable right I don't know right what I'm now. supposed to say about it. Just, but it is. I'm an, sorry that happened to you. But George. you know what?
1: You know what it is? That sounds terrible. You're right, Collar. It's an insight into the mind of of some athletes in particular, which people would be like, no, he really... He, he's proud of that story. Yes. Yeah, Whether true or not, he's proud of that story and he goes through it in detail
4: that few of us, few of us would have when it comes to important things like our wedding day. Because of the level of confidence of athletes, sometimes they are willing to share embarrassing things that happen to them that none of us would ever share. And George certainly proved that right there.
1: Da- <laughs> Dave's right, though. Favre, Favre would, would be like, well, that's a pretty good story, but I got a better one. <laughs> and he would go into the exact detail. Brett's story. Minimum five minutes. Oh yeah. Guaranteed. Minimum. Uh let's come back as promised. Kevin Love Breaking News. We'll discuss we'll discuss that plus plenty more Vikings talk. Jason Stark at eleven thirty. Mackie and Judd today, Zole Getting collar.